In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm anthropomorphized, and I'm Evan. I'm a very useless HR person, and I'm Ronnie. My name is Me Too. Oh, we have a <laughs> Me guest. Too is also here. <laughs> Yay! Me Too of the Pilot Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Um, it is so good to hear your voice. Uh, we have had lots of issues getting this call to work. If we're gonna, yeah, we started this call forty-five minutes ago, mm-hmm. but anyway, here we are, finally. Here recording. we are. Here we are, ready. If you can tell by those introductions, <laughs> ending pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. I feel like this bit probably should have been cut, but I had to say it, or I would have died. <laughs> <laughs> we are currently covering Tuca and Birdie. Yeah, that's the name of the show. It's on Netflix. It's great. But before we get into that, let's talk about tech problems, because they suck. (laughs) Is that the bit? Is that the the bit? The bit is, when was the last time you wanted to murder a robot? (laughs) Oh, every day of my life, mostly. What was the robot? My work computer frequently has problems. My, mm. I, I currently have two home computers because one of them is slowly dying a terrible death, but I use it um, just when I like to sit in the tub because that way my good computer does not risk getting uh, tub water on it. Having a regular computer and a tub computer is is some bizarre shit, babe. This is, um, yeah, this is a unique first world situation that I'm in right now. <laughs> this is not my computer. This is my bathtub computer. <laughs> wow. I love uh, you. Me, me, my, my family, my household got a robot vacuum for Christmas. Ooh. I know. We named it Simon. Just because that's, name. that's the name that jumped out of Kirsten's head. And it also is shaped kind of like the game Simon. Mm. Um, that was kind of my my headcanon after the fact. Um, and it's like having a pet. We just like say like, oh, Simon will pick it up. Um, mm. <laughs> except that like my, my issue with it is that it won't come when called. I just like I drop a bunch of like crumbs on the floor and I'm like, hey, Simon. And then I realize, oh, no, I have to log into this app and then hit play and then wait for Simon to like Simon doesn't know where the crumbs are. Simon has to like <laughs> just just by happenstance over the next two hours, maybe sweep over the crumbs. So I just I feel uh, like feel like a lot of advancements could be made in the Simon technology. You've thought about murdering Simon already, though. Um, Not I mean. I, yeah. 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 For the sake of the bit. Okay. Yeah, I have. I go. sure have. That works. Darn you, Simon. We also have a robot vacuum. Andy got him for me, I think, two Christmases ago. Um, his name is Eugene, and uh, he's, a good try, he's a good try-hardened boy. I've learned that he's not smart, but he sure does try hard. So if you just let him go, he'll get it eventually. <laughs> he'll run into a lot of things in the meantime, but he'll get it eventually. Sure, sure. Me too. Any uh, robot murders that you've been plotting? Mm, that's a good question. While I was traveling for the holidays, I didn't take my partner with me and left alone in our home. He switched our lamps over to this app that makes the lights change colors. So cool. I don't necessarily want to murder them, but it sometimes gets tacky. Like it 
I really don't want to have like purple lights in my window and things like that. Uh, but that is what we're working with right now. I could change this light right now to any color you request. Oh boy. Um, isn't there like, uh, this might be fear mongering. I haven't looked into the fact checking of this, but, uh, can't those smart light bulbs store an alarming amount of information in them? Like your Wi-Fi password. What? Yeah. No, I, mean, I didn't I, know that. That's so funny because I don't even allow him fact, to have a Google Home. Please and now- fact check this. Like, I'm not 100% sure, but I. there were a lot of articles out around Christmas time warning people about like, hey, a lot of these things that are very hot toys or trends or that you might want to get your spouse like are security yeah. issues and you should be aware of them. And I'm I'm fairly confident that like the the Amazon compliant, like the Amazon Alexa compliant, like light changing bulbs, uh, like they do operate on your Wi-Fi and people can take your Wi-Fi out of them if you throw them in the garbage or I'm, your password, ooh. your password. I mean, that be a good heads up. I don't think my Wi-Fi password is that hard to crack, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it your mileage may vary, but yeah, fair. fair. <laughs> that being said, like Simon definitely knows my Wi-Fi password and is constantly connected to the Internet so that I can, you know, tell him to pick up crumbs via my app. And also, I would assume, is, like, making a map in its head of the entire floor plan of my house. So, like... Ooh, I, case I, in the joint. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just, like, I don't know. I th- feel like I gave up a long time ago on just, like, privacy and security. If Simon, if Simon betrays you, you are screwed. Oh, yeah. yeah. For Our sure. robot pet is much dumber than that. It's not connected to the... It doesn't have an app. It has a physical remote that you can hold in your hand and just, like, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, so I, I, I mine also does, but it has an app and I can just, you know, I need it. To, I need it to be like a real pet. And that's the closest I can get for now. <laughs> but now I'm thinking maybe I can get an. I, I am also anti like Google Home and Amazon Echo. But what if I got one and then said, hey, Simon, these crumbs dough and it and it came in and swooped it up. See, this is the thing. I am too. <laughs> I am like the Patriot Act over here. I am so willing to give up my security and privacy <laughs> for the most like mild conveniences of life. Of the future. Uh, speaking of life in the future, we should talk about this show that we watched. No, you gotta ask yeah. me the bit, otherwise I feel left out. Oh, was it? Was that not the bit? No, Andy didn't. Andy didn't respond. Oh, I'm sorry. I've worked like through three different jokes now, and now don't know which one to go with. Because <laughs> I always go last, and then you forget about me. Why don't you I'm do sorry. all three? No, that would be not fun. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, the last robot I wanted to kill was this one that came back from the future because my mom was going to give birth to me and save the world. And sure. he, he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger and I got to run away and melt yep. him. It's a good thing your mom got stuck in that water slide and turned you gay because otherwise you would have been true. a war revolutionary in the robot war. That is that is how I became gay. My mom got stuck in a water slide with me at Sesame Place while she was pregnant. And uh, I, I became gay. <laughs> That's how it happens. Yep. This is this, this is science, people. Sesame Place agenda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of combined T one and T two in my bit, though. Yeah, I, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna get some emails on that. What show yeah, did we watch? Some angry, some angry <laughs> some Terminator, some Terminator continuity uh, sure. fanatics. Well, um, you know what. They haven't made a good Terminator since T2, so... You are correct. That whole franchise can 
fucking calm down. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've seen a Terminator, but that's... Terminator's good, and Terminator 2 is good, and all the rest of them are nothing. They're that, nothing. Uh, I heard the new one was half okay, but it came out like, you know, you can't have three, four, five, and six all suck and be like, oh, but seven's good. You just got to wait through. Uh, you know, the other four of them. Like, Isn't that the argument you keep making to me about Fast, Fast and, and Furious? Furious? No. Yeah, you just know. No. no. <laughs> Those movies are great. All of them are great. Are they, though? Yes. They go from stealing DVD players, this hot new commodity called DVD players, to fucking drifting nuclear subs on icebergs. Those movies are amazing. Okay. What, I haven't what? seen... And anyway, <laughs> we're off topic. Let's talk about 2K and Birdie. This, this feels like a mock footage episode, so let, let, let's let them do their thing. And our thing is we're talking about 2K and Birdie this week. We sure yeah. are. This show's buck wild. It is, it is it buck is wild. It certainly is something. It's a thing to behold. There's just tits everywhere. Yeah. There's just everything has boobies. Uh, anyway, that's not the plot. Let me, let me tell you yeah, what happens. Evan, so, tell us what happens on this, on this booby show. On this booby this, show, that's not a bo- I don't want. I don't want to mistress that. That is not the, the main subject <laughs> well, matter of this show. Well, there are a lot of show. birds. There's there are a lot a of birds. Oh, like like the yeah. bird. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe that was the initial joke. Maybe that's the joke from whence this entire show spawned. I don't know. Um, so we watched episodes one, two, and three of Tuka and Birdie. It's on Netflix. It's on it is on Netflix. It's a Netflix original series. Um, it only came out last year, actually. And by last year, I mean, 2019, which only ended a few days ago. Uh, but we've had confirmation that there definitely is not going to be a second season. So we figured it was fair game, which is a damn shame. Yeah. It's like really leans into the, anyway, let me, let me, let me give you the, the conceit, the premise, if you will. So these sort of, uh, inciting incidents of the show is that, Birdie, who's kind of a, she's a bird person in the style of like Bojack Horseman, if you're familiar with that. They're anthropomorphic, like animal people. Uh, Birdie and Tuka, who's also a bird person, but she's a toucan, uh, were roommates until very recently. And Tuka is moving out so that Birdie's boyfriend can move into their old apartment. And Tuka is moving into the apartment upstairs. And, uh... So they've got like a shake up in their uh, friendship and their living situation, and it's by and large uh, amicable. And Tuka is all like, "I'm gonna do neighbor stuff. Hey neighbor, let me borrow some sugar from you." Birdie has her nice fancy organic sugar and some sugar that uh, Speckle, her recently moved in boyfriend, brought with him. And she's like, "Eh, here, have this Speckle sugar. It's nasty." And it turns out through a very strange series of events that that bowl of sugar contained the ashes of um, Speckle's dead grandmother. And this shit gets wild. Yeah, yeah, this is I should like point out this is kind of an absurdist show. It has a very. A very out there sort of aesthetic. Uh, All of the action is very strange and peculiar. It's animated in really unique ways. But anyway, so they, there is then a situation where, uh, Tuka has borrowed and then immediately lost track of the sugar bowl containing speckles, dead grandma. 
and they go on an elaborate goose chase to get <laughs> the... Uh, there may in fact be a goose. I would be shocked, in fact, given the visual gags in the show, if there was not a goose at some point in this. But um, anyway, they end up at a, a, a pastry, uh, a patisserie. It's owned by a famous chef, and Tuca decides, like, all right, well, you and Bertie are going to have a croissant off, and whoever wins gets the bowl of sugar. Because that's the logic that this universe works on. Um, so Bertie bakes some excellent croissants and she wins, but it's too late. They've already baked the sugar containing Speckle's grandmother's ashes into a cake. And he then has to eat it to appease the ghost of his dead grandma. Yeah. Things randomly become alive and not alive in this show just based on like whimsy. Yeah. And the, the Mima getting baked into a cake, like she becomes alive again the cake and, starts talking and yeah. begs her grandson to eat him. And it is the weirdest shit I've seen, I think, in a while. Yeah, I've never been like on acid, but I imagine that some of this stuff is the sort of stuff that would happen if you were like maybe watching BoJack Horseman on acid and were like thinking too hard about it and also hallucinating a little bit. I've but. never seen BoJack Horseman, but yeah, maybe. Episode two, that was all episode one, by the way. All of that happened in the 30-minute episode that was episode one. Uh, episode two is entitled The Promotion, and uh, Bertie wants a promotion at work. There's a new position open that she's trying to nab, uh, but she's, like, mild-mannered and kind of neurotic, and uh, she fears that she gets overlooked a lot, and she's kind of timid. And so uh, this asshole at her work is kind of like outshining her, even though she's better at her job. And so Tuca decides that she's going to take a temp position at Bertie's work to like be her hype man, essentially, to like build her confidence up and help her get this promotion. And uh, the boss is like really into Tuca because Tuca's got this like manic energy and she's like assertive and she's doesn't do anything, but she, boy, she has that energy. So the boss is like, oh, hey, I'm going to give you that position that Bertie wanted. And Bertie's very discouraged, but Tuca helps her call out the rooster. He was a rooster, yeah, right? He was a rooster. Dirk. Dirk, the fellow who was like an asshole and like overshadowing her. And also there was an incident where he like sexually harassed her. Tuca encourages her to like call this dude out. And so she holds, like, a sexual harassment seminar thing. Ultimately, Bertie gets the promotion that she wanted, but then, bummer, it means that she has to work, like, a ton more and doesn't get to hang out at home as much and has to stay at work late, and it's kind of a bittersweet ending to that episode. Episode three is called The Deli Guy, and there's kind of two parallel plots here. One that Tuca has a crush on this guy who works at the deli, we never learn his name. He is only ever the deli guy. So she keeps acting really weird and erratic because she doesn't quite know how to handle her emotions that she's feeling for this deli guy. And she kind of pushes him away on their date because she's acting weird and erratic in party E and he just wants to have a nice time. And then Bertie is concerned that her sex life is stale and she wants to do something like interesting with Speckle uh, and they, they try some stuff and she's not into it and they watch some British sitcoms like Downton Abbey. 
Yeah, I was going to say a very transparent analog for Downton Abbey. I don't think Downton Abbey is a sitcom, but... Or, I'm sorry, no, it's not a sitcom. That's not what I meant. Like, British serials. Yeah. Yeah, they watch Downton Abbey, and this is what does it for Birdie, apparently. And so her her boyfriend starts doing a a Downton Abbey-themed, like, romance... Treasure hunt, yeah, game thing. Yeah, yeah, he he dresses up like a a British bird with an ascot and pretends to be dying of consumption or something, and then they have sex. (laughs) And some, like, Aussie kid is watching and narrating this episode, because there are humans in this show now. Yeah, there are humans (laughs) in this show, inexplicably. So anyway, those are the those are the three episodes those that we watched. Let's three, talk about them. Let's talk about them. We watched three whole episodes of um, Tuca and Birdie, and you know I gotta ask it, uh, Andy. Yeah, Roddy. These three episodes of Netflix's Tuca and Birdie did they work for you? They sure did. What a what a weird fun show. I like it a lot. Hey, me too. Yes. These three episodes of Netflix's Tuca and Birdie, did they work for you? Absolutely, they did. Hey, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. These three episodes of Netflix's Tuca and Birdie, did they work for you? I was baffled. I was delighted. I was confused. I was, um... Like, I feel like I got a contact high a little bit from this show, mm-hmm. but, uh, yes, they did. Ronnie. Yes. Did these episodes, these here three episodes of Tuca and Birdie work for you? They sure did. This was a fun time. This is, a f- it, I mean, it's, it's always good when we can watch a half hour show. It's always good when we can watch a comedy, <laughs> as is, as is well known with, uh, my preferences. Uh, but the, this is, this is far and away. You know, uh, the one of the more enjoyable experiences we've had on this te- on this on this podcast, for I sure. Feel, I do feel like we should not have watched them like marathoned, like back to back to back, because some of the like gags kind of ran together for yeah, me, and I'm not sure. totally sure which things happened in which episode. Well, I feel like, like this this episode of Ending Penning is just going to be a lot of like. Well, remember when this thing happened? Like, we're, we're going to hash a lot of it out, I there feel were like. So, there were many, many vignettes. Yes. There were many yes. isolated uh, sort of, like, sight gags and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, like, But besides that, I loved it. It yeah. was very good. It was so, yeah, we always we always say on this show, like, give us more weird. Lean into yeah. the weird. Oh, goodness. Come on. It's weird. And we're oh, gonna, boy, we're, did we're this gonna, show lean into the weird. We're going to talk so much about the weird uh, right after... This message from our Lunar Light family. Hey, Kyla. Yeah, Marty. What's your favorite scary movie? Well, that's an excellent question. You can find the answer to that if you listen to our podcast, Netflix and Kill. If you're a horror fan, you can hear us go through all the horror films on Netflix, good and bad. Find out which ones are worth watching. If you're a horror newcomer, don't be scared off. We go through the rubs and definitely make some jokes. So we hope you check us out. You can find our podcast at LunarLightStudio.com or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes out every other Tuesday. May your nightmares be plentiful.
All right. So me too. We have you here on the podcast. Uh, I reached out to you and said, hey, I don't know how well we can cover this world on our on our own without some extra context. Uh, and you said, yes, yeah, sure. Love Tuca and Birdie. T- tell, tell us tell us about this show. The, the context of womanhood. Yeah, surely. Cool. None of us are women. None of us are, well. Birds. Yeah. Also, Me Too's not a bird, just to be clear. Me Too's I'm not no a bird. bird not a bird. No. I was going to say, none of us are in our 30s and single and party, but I don't know that Me Too is any of those things either. I, I'm i not really 30 no yet, idea. and I'm, yeah, I've been, <laughs> actually, I'm about to celebrate five years with my partner. Congrats. Oh, congrats. congrats. Yeah. You're a real birdie in this situation, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I liked about her story. Um, my reactions to the show uh, is that was that your question? Yeah, yeah. Just dive on in. This is this is the same where we talk about what worked for us about these three episodes. I love Tuka and Birdie. One thing that sort of made me laugh as you were describing the show was or each ep- what happened in each episode is that if I were to describe the literal plot to someone. I don't think that would be the way I successfully <laughs> sell the show, but rather That's it's fair. focusing on the fact that it's absurd and hilariously absurd and has so much heart. And mm-hmm. that is what I would talk about because it's, it's so funny to like hear exactly what happened in each episode, because I think when you watch it, you, I think, uh, I can't remember who said this, but they felt like they had a contact high from the show. It sucks you <laughs> into the feeling of it. And then you're like, all right, the cake talks. All right. It's the Nicole Byer who's playing like a dead grandma spirit. Okay. The like Tuka can be a temp that does nothing, but yells a lot. And now she's offered a really high position at this company. Like you just um, accept these things because it sucks you into the world. It makes you part of it. At one point when they were looking for the sugar bowl, and this might have been my favorite like bit, they uh, there's like a cool plant lady who lives next door, and uh, the plant lady like doesn't have any sort of facial features, but she does have like arms, legs, and breasts, and like comes to the door. And they go into her house and it's just covered in turtles. Like there's just yes. turtles. There's turtles fucking everywhere. But didn't and, it make sense? And I think Tuka's like, look, I'm going to say it. You have too many turtles everywhere. <laughs> and like, I fucking yes. lost it. I, I, <laughs> so, Cause like I had accepted it that like, oh no, the plant lady, of course she just has turtles mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. yeah like her that's apartment's not, covered in turtles. Like that's I've seen fine. so much weird shit at this point that like, Okay, like I'm here for it, but no, that was too much for Tuca. So, Tuca had to comment on how many turtles there were, and then I felt like an idiot. What um what works, I think, is that it anchors each episode on something that's very relatable. Like episode one is about moving in with your significant other, and like the sort of anxiety that that causes, and the disruption in your life that that causes, and even if it's a positive change. There's like a lot of emotions around it and there's stress about, you know, like integrating your personal belongings and uh, navigating your relationships with your friends and like or in this case, your roommate or whatever. And that's extremely relatable. But then there's it's the core of the episode and all of this bizarre shit is happening around it that still kind of relates to that emotion, but is just a wild ride to watch. 
second episode, like, Birdie wants a promotion but feels like she's being overlooked. Again, super relatable emotion. Everybody has gone through that. Everybody has gone through something similar to that or knows someone who has or can relate to that in some capacity. And then the third one kind of has the two two parallel plots, but very human things going on, basically. And then it's sort of got all these trappings of really bizarre weirdness. And it also is self-aware in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Especially in how it, like, messes with anthropomorphizing things. Mm -hmm. Like Andy pointed out, the plant people. Like, it's... So typically, in in cartoons, you'll see familiar things like dogs behave... Like, anthropomorphized. Like, dog people. Like, that Mickey Mouse is the original, and then Goofy, you know... Furries! Yeah, they're, they're animals behaving like people, and we just accept this as normal. But we only accept this as normal... For certain animals, and for certain... So, like, in this show, there is, like, there was at one point a snake whose snake head was poking out of his shirt, but he also had arms and legs, and there are several plant people who have, like, just plant fronds as their heads and faces, but arms and legs and other body parts also, and also the plant lady was smoking pot. (laughs) <laughs> which is a strange ethical dilemma for a plant, I'd imagine. <laughs> I didn't even um, think about that. <laughs> and then <laughs> the other side of that is... <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. It's it's like cannabisism. <laughs> is that, is that, yes. <laughs> cannabisism. <laughs> She's like work? smoking her cousin. Yeah. yeah, cannabisism is it. <laughs> But, uh, so they, they have, uh, like animal people, like animals who are functioning as people, but then they also have regular animal. There's two instances I remember where this is like, really, they really go hard at this in a way that is meant to force the audience to think about it. And the first one is- And it is uncomfortable. Like it is, it is- Intentionally weird. The first one is in the in the intro of the very first episode. There is a a little songbird flying through the air, and it has breasts, like it has like tits, like flopping around as it's flying. And like I guess, of course, logically it would, given that Tuca and Birdie are also birds who have like human features, who are like living in apartments and stuff. So, like, sure, I guess the bird in the park who lives in a tree also has boobs in this universe. Sure. Internal logic. Fine. <laughs> and then there's also an episode, it's in episode three in the deli where there's a dog guy. There's a an anthropomorphic dogman, a dog man. Before and- we see the dog man, though, the dog is, like, barking and bugging Chuka, and then the owner just pulls its leash and then the camera pans up to reveal mm-hmm. that it's a Schnauzer man. Yeah, the owner the owner of the dog is also a dog, but the dog is a dog, it, and it, the it, dog man <laughs> is walking the dog. It's so weird. So this show's great. Yeah, that's that's about that's how it do for it. Yeah, so it really forces you to try to parse like, wait, is there are there are there are there some birds that have boobs? Do all the birds have boobs? Do all the plants have boobs? Do all the are are the plants in the in the jars in the background because also like birdie has plants in her apartment she's got like potted plants are they alive are they sentient and then sometimes it's just a video game 
yeah, sometimes the show just turns into a video game where um, someone's walking down the hallway and it becomes like a, a side scroller and they run into things and get points. It's great. It's so great. When I think about the show, I love the heart of it as well. So that's a, such a great point about the fact that it's relatable, but it's just couched in this absurdity. And uh, I'm sure, I mean, yeah, y'all will cover it later this season, but there were a couple episodes that made me like really tear up. And it was so interesting to tear up for a show that has a toucan named Tuca. <laughs> I mean, even the end of episode three, like they briefly mention Tuca's sobriety in yeah. the pilot. But like that becomes like a plot point. She's like, I've not dated anyone since I've stopped drinking and I don't know how to. And it's like if if that was on any other show that we've covered, we would be like, oof, like you're like, that's where you're going to take it on a comedy. You're going to try that. And it's like, no, they, they handle it super deftly. And it's and it's very well done. And it like really makes you feel for this character who is like just so absurd in, in everything that she does. It's just like, oh, yeah, like these are real lived experience that these birds are having. Yeah, I love that she is so fun and funny, but she gets to be a dynamic character and not just Mm -hmm. the kooky friend downstairs or Mm -hmm. upstairs. And I think it it, I, I, I think the connection that we are able to to get with Tuka and Birdie and even Speckle to some degree is like. Like if this dialogue again, if this dialogue was on any show, we would say it's too expository. Like they're they're you know even the scene about you got too many turtles. Like that would be mm-hmm. a lot. We're like oh, I wish they would show not tell. But like on this show, they just like they they just go for it every time and lay the joke out there because the joke that is like on the surface is not the joke they're trying to make. It's the three or four jokes in the background that like if you're if you're paying attention then then you're cracking up at that and the dialogue is just like helping you along with the story. Like it is so well done and it helps us that like expository details, like help us really learn more about these characters in this world that is just so, so foreign from our own and foreign from, it seems like the environment that, that Tuca and Bertie are living in because it's so grounded. Otherwise there was a moment in episode one where Tuca apologized to Bertie and Bertie said something along the lines of like, I forgive you, but I'm still upset. Like I still have feelings about it. And uh Bertie like didn't brush that aside. She was like, All right, well, like, let's take those feelings out on something. And Bertie then like punched Doe or or whatever. But I just thought that was a really great moment, too, that mm-hmm. this is two uh women characters who are like trying to hang on to their their youth to some degree with like, you know, turning 30. I'm sure it's weird. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking but, forward to it. I'm going to be so powerful. Yeah. Once you start graying. Um, but they're also <laughs> like trying to like navigate where their friendship is at now. And just this like, I don't know. I thought it was really great that they had this really honest moment uh, talking about uh, you know, their their friendship. And I, I think they're written very well. I think that there's not like like p- people talk about like shows like Breaking Bad and these shows with like these huge, huge arcs, Game of Thrones, Lost, where there's like no nothing is left untouched. Like every mm-hmm. everything that is written on the page is there for a reason. 
And you, there's so much argument to be had there about whether or not like that is true. And if it's, you know, this show feels so much like like a lot of times we will watch a show and say, like, I think we're thinking about it way more than the writers of the show did. And it's so clear that it's not possible with this show. Like the people who are creating this show are putting so much thought and care into every single moment, every joke, every like sentimental moment on the page that it's just like it. it I mean, I guess that contributes to how heartfelt and, and, and how much heart it has. Um, but it, I'm just like blown. I feel like I could watch this show over and over again and, and f- take something away from every episode differently. Also, it doesn't feel heavy either. It no, doesn't feel, no, that's, it doesn't we're talking about like, the show. Like it's like seventh heaven or something like that. Like yeah, this, is, yeah, yeah. this is a buck wild, <laughs> absurd comedy. I think, you know, an important part of it is that watching it, you don't think like, oh, is this a mess? Is this a metaphor? What are they trying to tell me? You know, it's you're you're just like sort of letting it wash over you and you just notice things. And I agree with you, Ronnie, if we watch this like four or five times, I'm sure we would notice layers and layers and layers because I I noticed a lot of like just odd like things going on in the background that are clearly related to what's going on. Uh, But there's it's so like colorful and loud and kind Mm -hmm. of like fun and abstract also, it's funny. It's genuinely funny. Oh, it's so funny. The jokes land. It's good. And the voices are perfect, I think. Yes. Oh, such yeah. good voice casting. Ali Wong is Birdie, and Tiffany Haddish is Tuka, and um, Stephen Yoon is um, Speckle. Speckle. And it, yeah, there. And Nicole Byer, we discussed, plays a few parts. Mm-hmm. And then Reggie Watts is the patisserie owner. And it's just so dope to hear people who are perfectly cast in these roles. And it's like in in another show, I might say like, oh, that's Reggie Watts. Oh, that's Aquafina. Oh, that's, you know, but like they're just and I guess this is what every show is supposed to be. But it's like they're just Tuca. It's just Birdie. It's just, you know, Speckles grandma in a cake. Like it's just I, I don't I don't find myself like in a lot of shows being like, oh, I can pick that voice out. And this is just me listening to that voice. Like it's so it is so intrinsically woven into the show and the animation is so good that it's just like, cool, cool. I'm just, I'm just in this world. Yeah. They're natural fits. Yeah. I was genuinely surprised that, uh, Ali Wong was like the subdued character in this one. Uh, cause I have seen her stand up. I like her very much and she's, she's very loud. She's very much, uh, she goes on rants. This is kind of her like comedy style. So I was kind of expecting her to play. Like I can tell just from the character design that Tuka is like the the outspoken one, and Birdie is the subdued one. So I I wasn't as familiar with uh, Tiffany Haddish, so I wasn't like sure what her deal was, what her style was. But I was going into it expecting Ali Wong to play, like, Ali Wong doing a stand-up special, but she wasn't, and it totally worked. It totally, I she totally sold it, so put Ali Wong in more stuff. For sure. And Tiffany I th- Haddish. I think anyone next to Tiffany Haddish will yeah. seem <laughs> subdued, <laughs> because she's so wonderfully out there and loud. And expressive. 
She was yeah. fab at the Golden Globes last night. Mm-hmm. It makes me so mad. Speaking of the Golden Globes, you have like fucking assholes like Ricky Gervais, who's like this PC culture, like these people, these snowflakes are so sensitive. Comedy's dead. You can't say anything more. You can't be funny anymore. Like comedians are so persecuted. They don't know how to like, people don't know how to take a joke. And it's like, no, you're just a dick. Like you're just a homophobic, racist, misogynist asshole. Like take your pick. You're one of those things. And Ricky Gervais is best known for being a transphobe. Yeah, he is best known for being a transphobe. But like you hear all these like fucking middle-aged white guys say this shit. And it's like, no, you just genuinely, you don't know how to be funny because this shit is hilarious. And it wasn't any of those things. Cause yeah. it turns out you can tell a joke and not be a dickhead. I'm, I'm looking at episode summaries. I always like have these handy in case I need to reference a name or whatever. And I'm seeing that episode four is called the sex bugs. And I'm, I'm Oh, that was such a good episode. <laughs> don't we can't talk about it. I'm just very excited to it. watch the sex bugs because it's I know that great. the sex bugs are gonna be talking. I know like I I I know enough about this universe to know that the sex bugs and probably are also gonna also have boobs. I won't <laughs> ruin it, but it's better than you expect. It's so good. Even in like you said, uh, even I rewatched the first three episodes in anticipation of this conversation because it just had been a while since I watched them. And I laughed like I watched it for the first time because it was so new. You can just mm-hmm. find new things every time. Yeah. I like the sexy penguin. The yeah. very <laughs> pastry sexy. chef. Yeah, he's very hot for a penguin. <laughs> Okay. I'm just saying things I liked. Yeah. I have I have mixed feelings about him. Ooh. And I don't think you'll love him throughout the show. Oh, well, I know I'm you done, like him now. I'm done spoiling, but I I just had mixed feelings about him in this first episode. And then what after watching the series and then re-watching this pilot episode, I was like, oh, always trust your gut. That's fair. He is a, he bit he is a bit of a, a snob. Yeah. In this first episode. He is very yeah. snobby. And they're yeah. definitely setting up a will they, won't they. I know yeah. we've talked about it before. We talked about when we talked about mixology of like, you know, being in a relationship and like having the boring partner and stuff like that. It's like, that's like really like goals for a lot of people. It's like, it, yeah. and it should like just somebody who you can count on and rely on. Like the show is, it seems you setting up like, uh, Ooh, maybe she shouldn't be with Speckle. And it's like, ah, uh, I don't know. This that, this could be this could be because I'm in a uh, a queer relationship, but like that seems like such a weird hetero thing of like, sure. oh my partner's so boring and normal, and I want I don't know a, a leather jacket man or um, <laughs> or a a bad boy pastry chef, chef yeah, <laughs> or uh, the the female equivalent of like I want a sexy alcoholic CEO who just lost his company like in mixology instead of my boring uh fiance and it's like Jesus like can can y'all just chill so i googled lesbian bed death and i didn't realize it was created in the early the concept was created in the early 80s sorry you saying that made me immediately think of lesbian bed death <laughs> please explain yeah, yeah. please explain <laughs> have y'all not heard 
oh my gosh, then that what what a wild thing to just throw out there. Then I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. From Wikipedia, lesbian bed death is the concept that lesbian couples in committed relationships have less sex than any other type of couple the longer the relationship lasts and generally experience less sexual intimacy as a concept. Like, uh, I, I think it's like largely been debunked, but it just, um, or rather it's been debunked, but it's just, um, like the first term I thought of when you described that was lesbian bed death. And then when you Google the term, an article pops up from curve magazine on how to avoid lesbian bed death Uh, dated in mm. 2017. Oh, Oh, and psychology today, lesbian bed death, CPR. Let me not give this any more clicks. clicks. (laughs) Don't, don't push that up the search ratings. Yeah, I I'm done there, but it just, it's funny that I, I just thought about these hetero couple couples experiencing lesbian bed death. But I mean, you say that and yet we still have this thing where we're like, women love shopping and men love trucks. And I like I think people know. I don't know. Again, maybe I just don't like hang out with enough like hetero people. I feel like people know that that's not true. Like, I think that we on some level all as a culture know that that is not true and has never been true. But for some reason, it's still everywhere. It's still so pervasive, like in modern comedies it's all the jokes it's the same four jokes and it's women love shopping and men love trucks or whatever men are big dumb idiots who are hungry and horny men can't wash a dish and women nag coming <laughs> like coming from a world where i do have lots of hetero folks in my life um god i'm sorry i well <laughs> you, you power through. I think that it is certainly a situation where it is seen as like old fashioned, but even that thought is, it feels like when you are like, Oh, women don't all love pink and, and you know, men can have uh, tight fitting pants. Like you feel like it's subversive. Like you, you're being like countercultural just for having the thought that that's okay. If you ever are like exhausted by the patriarchy or heteronormativity, my uh, strongest recommendation, and we're so off topic, is um, videos of gender reveals gone wrong. It is my favorite genre of internet right now. It is people who have like, you know, there are absurd gender reveal shirts now. It's like, will he be kicking balls or will she be? sewing them like they're just ridiculous like outfits and and setups for them and then like all of a sudden the balloon that was like carrying the gender you're going to impose on your child like floats away or like these things it just it cracks me up there was one where this couple like truly chased I think it was a balloon and it flew away and they chased it so far that the father like scaled and jumped a fence and then fell hard on the other side of it and I would just I, I couldn't more strongly recommend that genre of internet to you. Oh, oh boy. boy. Um, <laughs> what's the name of the dildo? Oh, I've been trying oh. to think of a good time to ask that. And there's, <laughs> there's really not a good, a there's, good way to ask what was the name of the dildo. There, but there, yeah, there's a scene where Birdie opens up her bedside table and there's uh, like several, uh, like, personal objects in there and amongst them is a dildo labeled something like 
sensible dildo <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it's just a, you know, very generically shaped, very generically shaped, like, phallic object, and it says sensible dildo in, like, flowery letters on it. Yeah. It's so, like, I can recommend some more exciting options for you, Birdie. But well, I, way, to, way to at least have that, though. That's, in, th- that's cool. In, that's progressive, in right? In episode one, uh, the, uh, Tuka has a, a banana vibrator. Yeah, I, oh, like I a, noticed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then it vibrates It off vibrates the off the sofa. <laughs> that was such a tiny joke, but it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah. anywho, Ronnie, did you see the gay dogs, um, the playbills, the duck bills yes. all over the wall? Oh, I loved it. Did I you catch it. any of the, the references there? I, I saw Hamilton. I saw Hamilton. There was a cat's one. I didn't see any that were like specifically punny, uh, but I saw all like wicked was up there. Like, I, I you know, I could, I could go on. Oh, I forgot you're a musicals person. That's I am awesome. a musicals person, me too. And and secretly, so are my co-hosts. But I, I am just so outspoken and, and outrageous about it. Um, I don't know about secretly. I, I would. Uh, uh, I'm interested in musicals. I just haven't yeah, seen many of them. Yeah, but you let them. me. You let me take the reins when there's a musical discussion. Yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie is that. the Broadway. We I all am, have characters. To right, play. right. In that, yeah. I am like probably. L- uh, less knowledgeable than than uh, both of you, but like I am just like you know real real mm. over the top about it. Uh, yeah, I, I love that character. Dapper Dog is my is my dog. <laughs> I liked the train is a snack, but then when when Tuka missed it, it was like this gross slime covered. Yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the trains are also living. Thi- they're living creatures. That are at, totally out of scale with the rest of the living creatures, and you can just go inside them and ride somewhere. There and is a you... decent amount of like gross amount humor on this show that like mm-hmm. usually would bother me in a different f- format, but like it doesn't here for some reason. Do y'all remember when Bertie's boob ran away? <laughs> I loved that. That was Aquafina, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely so. loved that because how many yeah. times have you been approached by some person saying something ridiculous mm-hmm. and on like a cellular level, you're just like, nope, I'm shutting down. Like I, I'm out. And in like, this case, it could be your right breast. Just noping out. Just cannot yeah. handle this situation. Yeah. So to explain, if you have not seen this, uh, Birdies if you have not seen boob. this, you have Netflix and a yeah, spare half an hour. Yeah, everybody's got Netflix, or you've got a friend whose password you can use. This is a show more it. than any. Like, go watch this show. Yeah, this show's yeah. buck wild. Yeah, go so ahead, this Evan, dude, I'm sorry. the rooster is like, says something gross about like, oh, did you wear that tight sweater today so that uh, you can, you know, weasel your way into that promotion or whatever, and like. Birdie is just instantly like distressed and one of her boobs just pops off her body and grows a face and like shouts and then like just runs away and it comes back later that night and is drinking heavily and then the next day (laughs) she has one drunk boob it's 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 very something, and it's, it's not very, like it's in another show that would be like a a good metaphor, 
like, oh, her her boob just pieced out. It's gone. And that would be like it would like return to normalcy. But in this show, no, that 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 breast has become a character. Yeah, and then, it has and then makes itself a plot line. point yeah. in, in, in like letting Tuca know that there was an issue with this rooster. It's just like the it is like my level my level of comedy is like to take something and just keep on just drilling it, drilling it, drilling it until there's like three people that are still laughing at it. And that is like my thing. This show does that, but it also does that for like just like general plot and 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 dialogue. It just like it goes and goes and goes and it just like it doubles down and then it doubles down on that action and it just keeps on going until you're like, what is going on? But it just it there's not three people laughing at the joke. Everyone is in on it because they have like rooted it so much where you're just like, you know, from the first second of like, oh, these are birds. OK. Oh, they talk to each other. OK. Oh, there's like a cake can talk. And then at that point, like there's just no there's nothing tethering you to the real world. So it's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. This turtle has just climbed down uh, the the of <laughs> uh, what is it, the, the gutters from the yeah. plant lady's apartment, as you do. And uh, and is uh, just making its way downtown. It's just like you, you lose the you lose the uh, the real world and, it, and in the best possible way. Yeah, I want to make it clear to anyone who has not seen this also. This is not like a dream sequence. No, that's what I'm saying. No, with, this with is the thing. Fully, like, yeah. this is... Like, yeah, I, I thought no. the I thought when the cake like came alive and was talking to Speckle, I was like, "Oh, he's hallucinating." No, yeah, this is guilt, and he's no. The cake literally the, came alive and demand like the other characters in the room could hear and speak to the cake. Tuka also tried to eat it, and Bertie was like, "No, like that's get out of here." And then the cake was in his stomach, continuing to talk, and then there was like a sequence where the cake was like having a party with other foods that he had. It was very, it was real strange. It shows something. It's really something. He also took down an entire cake with a fork and knife. That, to me, yeah. was the most absurd sure. element sure. of the first episode. If Evan could do I it, could he would. It. I could do it. I could do it. <laughs> I could, loves cakes so I could, much. I could pull a, what's his name? That that little chubby boy from uh, Matilda. Matilda with Miss Trunchbull's fudge cake. That's me. That's That's my aspiration. And especially if you had your, your your birdie Gamby encouraging you the whole way through, uh-huh. that would be that would be what you need. Um, I mean, Michi, we can, why did this show get canceled? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, usually we save that, but no, let's talk about it here. What do do you have insight into that? Me too. I don't. So I actually um, read an article. That basically asked that the, the gist of the article is the same. I Googled why did Tuka and Birdie get canceled earlier today? And basically just a bunch of articles were like, what's going on with Netflix's algorithm? And that was it. Sure. Um, Cause I'm not sure it's so good when there was a, a part of the second episode that talks about Birdie trying to get a promotion and, and also contending with sexual harassment where just in a meeting, Tuka climbed on top of the table and made this alarm noise and just said that she would make that noise every time a wooden a woman hadn't spoken for three minutes. And I just like truly scream laughed at that. Like the concept of just a bird appearing on a table every time uh, if I were in a meeting and like no woman had spoken for three minutes. But um, 
Yeah. So I, I, everything I read by that, I mean, maybe two or three articles that I skimmed. So I don't, I don't want to sound like I did too much research here. We're just basically questioning Netflix's algorithm. Have, yeah, have y'all I'm, heard otherwise or read otherwise? No, I, I we looked were, up its we were, ratings on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and they're through the roof. So I was like, yeah, what people love happens? it. Yeah. Um, the I'm I'm looking at this from Wikipedia, but it, it says on review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, the series holds an approval rating of 100 percent based on 29 critic reviews mm-hmm. and an average user rating of 8.22 out of 10. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the highest reviewed show we've ever watched oh, on this. Yeah, we watch a lot of like, garbage. Yeah, we watch a lot of even the shows that were fairly good <laughs> don't get reviewed that high, so I don't, I don't know. I th- the algorithm is a real thing um where Netflix just does not know how to market to its existing customers. Um but I mean it it the the, it has, the, the algorithm is typically an issue for like shows that come back for a second season of like Oh, everyone loved this show, and nobody knew the second season come out. Like this, it, it was not even like on Netflix that long before it was canceled. Like I feel bad that I didn't watch it at the time, and then 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 you get into like a weird capitalist discussion of like consuming the art that you should like because you have to be an activist for that art, and it's like I, I just I just want to watch things. I don't want to have to like have that on my shoulder that pressure yeah. of like watch this thing or else it's gonna die and do it now like i don't so netflix's whole mo is not to entertain the people they already have it's to gain new people yeah and it yep. probably had this is conjecture i don't know but it probably had something to do with the fact that like all right this show did not generate the expected number of new subscribes that you know, X number of investment dollars should mm. or whatever. Um, I I don't think they they really honestly care all that much about critical reception if it doesn't translate to dollars at the end of the day, which is true of like a lot of uh like film and television, to be fair. I mean, it is a product and it does serve to like gain income for whatever studio produced it. Um, but the difference between Netflix and a cinema is that in like a traditional like television release or in a traditional movie release, critic opinion has, I would assume more of an impact on whether or not people see it. You know, if, if a critic says that a movie is good, people are pretty likely to, you know, dish out $12 once to see it. Whereas if a critic says a show is good, I don't know that people are going to sign up for a streaming service because of it. Mm. I, so. I do wonder if it got Young Justice, where Young Justice was canceled because it had too many, uh, like, girl viewers and girls don't buy action figures was the uh, consensus of why they canceled it. Because they... Yeah. they they wanted to sell toys. And I wonder if this was the idea of like, Oh, well this is a, uh, a show to some degree aimed at women and is marketed as a feminist show, but it also has gross amount, you know, kind of like poop fart humor occasionally. Like, I wonder if that was, they were like, Oh, like it's being marketed as this women, you know, focused comedy, but it's humor that we don't associate with, 
our women demographics. So like, we're just going to cut it. I, I kind of doubt. I mean, the reason that young justice and the toys thing mattered is because, uh, uh, like that property was making a substantial amount of its income off toys. It wasn't like an ideological thing. They, they, they decided that they couldn't sell toys to girls. They didn't rethink their strategy. But anyway, they I could have just sold toys to girls. Which, anyway, I it, it's just it's really like frustrating. These people are buck wild. It's just frustrating for me that like Netflix has a history of this. Like you like shows that are targeted at women or at queer audiences, like One Day at a Time or Sense Eight. Uh, or, I love One Day at a Time. Yeah, like all these shows that are like like you get to the point where it's like the season three curse where it's like it costs them so much more. It costs them like more to make like a season three of a show or season four than it, than you could ever recoup in like new subscribers or something like that. Speaking kind of what you said, Evan, about like people mm-hmm. them caring more about their new users than existing users. But it just so happens that like all the shows that they bail out on are like one day at a time, the get down, like, like just people, shows that have like a marginalized audience like queer eye is on there but queer eye is like i love it but it is a very like for straight people yes exactly very much made for made for hetero folks um i i just i want netflix to do better and now it was announced i think today or yesterday that they're doing like a gwyneth paltrow show about goop and like all her like jade egg in your vagina stuff and like Yes, no, this is what women want. This is the, the show that we need to do to target women. And it's like, they, they just miss the mark so, they, they don't understand what they have, and then they're like, no, 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 we got this. It's just, it's really frustrating. Really frustrating, considering it's like, I'm probably going to be one of our main sources of content for the rest of our lives. So, I, I don't know if this makes it better or worse or or neither, but I genuinely think that all of Netflix's decisions are made on a spreadsheet. I don't, uh, I, I really, Netflix is a product there. They, they are an engine that runs on subscriptions and I would bet a fair amount of money that any continuation or cancellation decision that they make comes down almost entirely 80 or 90% due to strictly the numbers on the page. Did this generate subscribers or sure. did it not? Yes, yeah. no, keep it, kick it. But I think so. there's a story behind those numbers. Like, I think that what you both are saying isn't mutually exclusive, right? Like there could be an effort put behind, like with Young Justice, right? Like you could figure mm-hmm. out how to sell these things and then it wouldn't lose money. You could figure out how to market these shows because ultimately, like, there's a certain audience the majority of viewers in the U S that like the top most popular shows NCIS. Right. And then like other iterations of NCIS and then probably still big bang theory, even though it's off the air. Mm -hmm. So you just have to do a little extra work to sell some of these shows. And I think once you do that work, once you get people watching, they'd be into it, but I don't think that the front end effort is there. So I, 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 I think both of you are, well, and, and super not, right there. Though Netflix to, doesn't release their numbers, so this is yeah. all conjecture. And not to mention the fact that, like Evan, you can be right, but also like we have learned through like this whole debacle with Apple credit cards and things like that, and and everything else, and and just we know is that algorithms can be biased. 
Like we could we could oh, say sure. it's just like it's sure, like, definitely. like it's just like they they all are created probably a long time ago by a very homogenous type of person and that it just spits out, you know, bias. And and so like it it is a spreadsheet, I agree, but but also there's, you know, in those formulas there is a certain amount of uh, of probably some some misogyny at play even if it's latent. Um Ooh. I, I would not I would not disagree with you at all. Uh I just uh And it goes back to what Andy said. Like there's there's something like whether it's toy sales or whether it is some factor that Netflix wants from their consumers, um it just it, it's that X factor that is just a number. It's just a, but it that number is also probably tied to uh women or women of color or queer folks. Like it's just you know, it goes like, all the way. Like what I don't get is and I mean, I haven't watched BoJack Horseman, but I I do know that the creator of this like worked on that, and I just don't get why that show has like four or five seasons at this point, and this got one like that. Af- after only watching three episodes, like I'm already heartbroken that I only have seven left yeah. now. Not a knock against BoJack Horseman; it's just like how, why not? Like this yeah, is this is they're, they're clearly sibling shows. Yeah, yeah, like. They're they're clearly like right next to each other. Right. Why this, not that, you know? Yeah. With Bojack Horseman being that's a show I watch and love. And that's much darker than Two Gun Birdie. Right. And I would argue harder to watch. Two Gun Birdie is a show that I wouldn't necessarily advise binge watching. Um, I think you said this, Andy, that like the jokes sort of run together, so you can appreciate the episodes more and the humor in the episodes more when you watch them individually. Whereas with Bojack Horseman, but you can binge it. And and be happy. Whereas I tried to binge BoJack Horseman once, and I was I was so sad after that. I like it's, it's truly a depressing show. I yeah. had trouble sleeping. Like I was so sad, and I didn't know why for a little bit. And then I was like, "Oh, BoJack like did me in. This is this is a BoJack night now." And I just like couldn't really rest. Y- you need a uh, a Parks and Rec uh, washer after BoJack. Exactly. So that's what I started doing. Um, cause I came into Bojack Horseman late, so I tried to knock out like the first couple seasons and no, I, I do like a couple episodes of Bojack episode of Parks and Rec or 30 Rock or The Office, something like that. You need like the chaser cause you can't, can't just take it. It's a and, tough show. And I feel like the perfect chaser for Bojack Horseman would be a good, good episode of Tuka and Birdie. That's it's true. A perfect transition. It's like, I kind of am still in this world, but this world is okay over here. This world is fun in Birdtown. In, in Birdtown, Bird everything's fine. Oh, uh, goodness. With all the Do boobs. Do we have anything? Yeah, hmm? with, with all the boobs. With the many, many Yeah, boobs. with boobs. Yeah. Like, there's a building with boobs on it. I and mean, they flop. Yeah, there's a building, and it just has boobs. I love and it, though. It just feels not, like oh, it's Oh, I'm not no- complaining. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, it, I love that it's a non-sexual yes. look at breasts, because they're just body parts, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just love that it's like, uh, like some women have boobs and check out all these boobs. Also, Real, this plant has boobs and this bird has boobs and this yeah. plant has boobs. Yep. Real talk. I, I, I almost wish there was some male nudity in it because yeah. male nudity is, is like, especially full frontal is considered like so graphic. Whereas like you can sneak tits into PG 13 movie, but like, yeah. You know, we don't see one sexualized penis in Game of Thrones, which is like the porniest, smuttiest thing yeah. ever mm-hmm. that like I almost wish there was like a weird cartoon dick kind of just flopping around there somewhere. 
But uh, I also get that that would could be weird. No, I mean, I guess boobs aren't. I don't know. That's a great point in that touchy. Not all like some women have penises, right? Some women and femmes. So there could be a dope look at that, too, is like. Penises don't belong to any specific gender. Let's throw them on some plants and things. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how I would explain like male gaze boobs, but this show doesn't have them. No. To to, to your your point. Yeah. uh, Being sexualized. Like that's, that's what I was trying to get at it too, is like the nudity here feels so safe. Like it, it it doesn't feel sexual or um like aggressive at all it's just like oh yeah like these are some nice happy boobs it's comedic yeah uh but yeah i agree with you but not not, like at the expense of a woman or of a yeah but it's not like haha either it's just kind of like this bizarre it's just part of the world world yes this bird flying by has boobs and you just go what (laughs) (laughs) um i don't think is there anything that didn't work now that we're an hour into this episode? I think what didn't work is just Netflix uh, doesn't I, work. I will say that like this sort of art, this kind of like weird adventure time. I keep saying weird because I don't know what other adjective to use, but this kind of like adventure timey art normally isn't my thing, but I'm kind of digging it here. Mm-hmm. So like there are definitely shows with a similar art style that I just have not watched because I don't like that art style, but uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging Tuca and Birdie. Um, I'm glad I had to watch this show for this podcast because just judging on the art, I probably wouldn't have otherwise. I'm I'm really trying to stretch to find anything. No, that didn't I mean work. don't 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 work too hard because I because I got nothing. I got, I got absolutely nothing. My only thing is that I there wasn't like enough things to write notes about because I was just like laughing and and enraptured the entire time yeah how do you even write notes on this show there's very few how do you look down at the paper to write when toucan birdie is happening that's true it's like watching a k-drama i watch those because of bj who's my co-host and um that's a show that i've learned sometimes i'll try to text while i watch like i do with other shows and then I miss like several lines of dialogue and then BJ won't let me rewind it. So that's sort of how this is, where it's a K-drama where you have to read the captions or the subtitles. Um, in this case, you're catching lots of fun jokes. I feel like we briefly touched on it, but just the opportunity for puns is so good. And yeah. it, is, it is like like uh, it could have been just like a throwaway one. and It would have been fine. But uh, Birdie works at Condé Nest. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny, so good. I I am I am a sucker for puns. I don't get that one. What's that? Condé Nast is like uh, a large magazine publisher. They publish like the New Yorker and uh, Bon Appetit magazine and like a bunch of those. So Condé Nast, Condé Nast. It's. I have not seen a physical magazine in. Okay. Years, Ronnie. In years. Did, are you are you okay boomering me right now? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, lots of puns. I, th- I just have one thing written down in my notes um, that the first episode, uh, Birdie runs upstairs and tells Tuca, it's like, you have to do something. He's gently disappointed in me. <laughs> and Tuca's like, oh no, that's the worst kind because... You can't be mad, so you really have to internalize the guilt. <laughs> it's like, it's so real. It's too real. 
when at the end of episode two, when uh, Birdie gets the promotion that she's wanted the entire episode and it's like, oh, no, you have to work later, probably for not as much money as you should deserve. And it's like too real, too real to and Birdie. What are you doing? Also, of- when Birdie flipped through her agenda book and it was yes. like 8 a.m. meeting, this meeting, this meeting, lunch, this meeting, this meeting dinner with um speckle and then she was like oh when she saw the dinner with speckle but then as she flipped pages like it just never changed right Uh there were light variations but it was the same thing every day and i was like all right slice me open sounds good (laughs) (laughs) and then she gets to the last page and it says 2 p.m sweet relief of death and she goes oh oh thank goodness (laughs) (laughs) i don't Love that Tuka asked out Deli Guy while Deli Guy was at work. No, that's not great, but... Don't love that. It's one of those things where, I, you know, you don't know how else it happens. It. Yeah, It's the teeniest, tiniest thing ever. Sure. Also, uh, that guy seemed real chill. I don't think yeah. he, he cared, but... Nah. Don't ask out people at work. Yeah. Um... I think I mean it, it, as much as I want this to be a two-hour episode of of ending pending, I think we I think we can cap it there. Yeah, it's um, my bedtime. It's oh, my bedtime. This is a very good ago. show. Um, me too. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug? The pilot podcast. So we review the pilot episodes of TV shows and answer your question: Should I watch this? We. Don't do as deep a dive. Our episodes are usually under 20 minutes, <laughs> but we're covering lots of shows. We're switching up our format this year. So we're covering more shows per episode to do fewer episodes overall. And um, yeah, you can find us at thepilotpodcast.com or any podcasting platform. And then we're at the pilot pod on Twitter and Instagram and at the pilot podcast on Facebook. It's such a similar, not I wouldn't say similar concept, but like covering the first season of shows and the first episode of shows is like in the same league, but they could not be polar opposites in format where like y'all are trying to do more shows per episode. And we're like, we're ready to go onto a show after uh, Tuke and Birdie where it's like, can we do one show for six months? Is that is that will our audience (laughs) allow that? Also, Ronnie has edited many of our episodes and forever grateful for your um, help there. I, so I want to plug Bristol Podworks as well. Thank you. That, yeah. that, is, that is very kind of you. Very kind of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will be back next week. We'll be covering episodes four, five and six of Tuca and Birdie. Uh, and you, you know what they say. When you you take the ashes and you eat your grandma on a cake, uh, you, people get real weirded right. out about that, especially. Is this your is this, is your, this your reading? I tried. Jesus, <laughs> was listen. Somebody I know gets real weirded out about eating your grandma on a cake. So, uh, yeah, it's me. No. <laughs> it's it's pawn shop. Lou. It's pawn shop. Lou. Are you don't, happy, Ronnie? Don't a pawn shop, Lou. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay. 